Welcome to COTR Tardy Takes, a Patreon-only show that gives quick looks into individual cards. I'm your host, Bard Lee, and with me is Shellen. In each episode, we will look at one card, and one of us will present a positive aspect about the card, while the other provides a contrarian take on the card. Any aspect of the card is open to discussion, like art, stats, personal experience playing the card, so don't always expect the top-notch analysis. Today's card is going to be Galadrim's Greeting. I'm providing the uh, positive side. Shellen is providing the negative side. The randomizer has decided that Shellen is going first, and he is going to read you what this card is. Sure. So the Gladrum's Greeting is a three-cost spirit event from the core set. Uh, with action, reduce one player's threat by six, or reduce each player's threat by two. And that little word there in the middle, or, is the reason that I don't like this card all that much. And it's that I think there is tremendous pressure around the table in multiplayer games to use that second piece of it. And I don't want to. Uh, Usually, if I'm including the Gladrum's Greeting in my deck, it's because my deck really needs threat reduction, and maybe I didn't have a Noldor hero to be able to, to splash in Elrond's Council. Or I didn't have, you know, Gladrill or Frodo or any of these other good options, so I had to throw in this super expensive event. Uh, three cost and spirits, not nothing. You know, usually if you're splashing threat reduction like this, you have one spirit hero. So it's three rounds of collecting resources just so you can reduce your threat by six. But then you look over the table and you've got the guy who's been rolling around with the one ring and Boromir and all these other sorts of things that sit at 42 threat about to lose you the game. And I don't want to engage that bad guy in staging area. That's why I brought my own Galadrim's Greeting, but I have to use it just to reduce everybody's threat by two instead of mine by six. So I think that's my, <laughs> my biggest con with this one. And there are certain decks that were, like, that's, that's your idea. You know, I have so many spirit resources. I can help everybody at the table. Uh, but usually when I'm packing it, it's because I want the six threat reduction for myself. You know, I want the big drop so that my friend gets stuck with the 34 engagement cost orc that's attacking for six, and I don't. Uh, so I think that that's my big con, is that I just get bullied into using it the second way when I actually want to use it the first way. This isn't an entire rant about throwing shade at me for our one game at Con of the Rings where I had no threat reduction for like the entire game, and I forgot about Arkenstone's second ability. <laughs> that's not what this is about, is it, Shellen? You know, there's a little bit of that in there. I think I was running a mono lore deck for that game, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to do it there. But yes, I think there was some part inside of me that was just seething at watching somebody else that just didn't pack enough threat reduction and was relying on other people to fix their problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, it would help if that other person, uh, me, knew that a card they were playing actually had a second ability on it. Wow, yeah. um, that would be helpful. Um, so. What I'll go for in terms of a positive is I think this card is very key to having success or winning many quests. There are a lot that deal with or play around your threat level. I think a classic example is the core set with the hill troll. Mm-hmm. I think being able to play this card early and getting under the threat turtling is very good. Uh, Conflict of the Carrick from the early cycles is another good one. Even some of these later cycles, this card is still money. I think of um, you know Trouble in Tharbad with that stupid Nalir ally who keeps raising your threat by one. Uh, uh, Framsburg comes alive. Uh, the Ghost of Framsburg quest where it can take 
10 years to beat it because it's not very well made. This card can be huge before you get Sanaka's Tooth, I think is the name of the card. Right. Uh, even uh, under, the, is it Under the Ash Mountain or Land of Sorrow? Land of Sorrow Some as the bosses, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's it's good in that quest too. Uh, so I think even from the start, from the second quest of the game to basically the second last quest of this game, I think a card like this that can give you a big drop in six is still got a lot of value. Um, it can save your bacon, but it can also just allow you to even just not lose. <laughs> Let's be real. Some of these quests, it's like. There's so much doomed. There's so much other stuff where it's like, man, my threat's going up like for a turn. Like a card like this, very helpful in terms of being able to survive and win. Um, yeah, sure. If your friends let you use it like that. <laughs> well, you could just play solo and just never care about your friends. Or that's, that's true. And solo, this is obviously phenomenal. You could just, um, you know. Uh, never trigger anything that helps the other player, so they just have this expectation that you'll never use any abilities that will help them. You know, you could do that too, right? You know. Oh yeah, no, no sentinel or ranged in any of my decks ever. <laughs> yeah, they just know that uh, we're playing uh, multiplayer solo. So good luck on your own. <laughs> That's certainly a way to play as well. So, um, anything else that you would like to say, Shellen? No, I don't think so. I think we've we've covered it here. All right, well, that's it for me, too. So that was both of our takes on the card. You can go on Patreon, vote for who you think made the better op- or the better argument for this uh, card, and then we'll see you on the next episode. All right, see you next time.